This is Up For Debate Presents The X Stands For Nothing, the unbelievably true story of the XFL. Tonight, episode number 131, recorded December 5th, 2018. Chapter 5, Rock Bottom. Some have called it an unprecedented television event. Others have called it a desperate ploy to increase sagging ratings. In any event, XFL founder, chairman, and noted racketeer, noted raconteur, Vince McMahon has ordered a camera into the locker room of the Orlando Rage cheerleaders at halftime to capture the essence of whatever it is they do. Bev, how do you feel about a camera being in your locker room? Great. They bring the cameras in the players' locker rooms. It's time they brought them into the cheerleaders' locker rooms. We get in there, we just get comfortable, and we want to take off them. them. Don't tell them about that. Well, I guess you'll have to see. An anxious nation awaits. And uh, New York wins their first one, 13 to nothing. I feel it after the win. I feel fine. Ain't you going to talk to me? You won. You sure did. Well, apparently, and the uh, fans here in Chicago with a chant, uh, I would assume, directed toward Rusty Tillman, who didn't really want to talk to Jesse the Body Ventura. Why won't you talk to Jesse? What's the matter? Hey, I don't want to talk to Jesse. Come on, Rusty. For what? What do you want to talk about? I want to congratulate you. Yeah, First fine. win, you're back in the race. Jesse, Your team to gets you. the bonus. I got nothing to say to you. Wow, I'll tell you what. I got him intimidated. There's no doubt about it. The guy couldn't wait to get off the field. He's afraid of me. All right, Jesse. And these fans afraid of me, huh? Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Up for Debate, the uh, the debate show that can and will talk about anything, including the XFL. I am Sean Jennings, joined as always. By our own uh, guy, coach. I, I, coach. I think we've used that one. That's this is why we don't do six part series no, because I hey, run out of jokes very quickly. Just call me the coach. I'm our, in. Put me in, coach. Our, our, Can uh, I put uh, myself in if I'm the coach? Uh, uh, I would say a man who has more fans on this show than the XFL had in reality. It's Matt Mariani. Hello. Yeah, man. that's that's. I think that's probably right. That's, that's about probably it. That's about accurate. Yeah, it's about about right. Um, he still, he still hate me. Still. So, 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 so the hate watch continues last week. He hated you. Does he still yeah. hate you? Uh, he still hate me. He still uh, hate me. Do you think, um, coincidentally when, when XFL reignites in 2020, um, do you think that they'll have a, will there be an overt reference to he hate me on a player's uniform? Like, will it say, like, he still hate me, or he hate me again, or something like that, or maybe she hate me? What do you think? Uh, well, first of all, will they allow well, nicknames on jerseys? That was That's my question. Is, is you, of all the things in the XFL to bring back, that I feel like that would, ne- other than he hate me, never really went anywhere. Um, and was kind they of They have some lame. good ones. If you look at... Um, Death Blow and... Right, Death Blow was another good one. It was probably the second best known... Uh, yeah, it was it was, was a weird I, part of the XFL experiment. Yeah, I think I think he hate me as part of it. I think what they have to do is bring on Rod Smart mm-hmm. in some capacity, maybe as a commentator or a sideline reporter or or like an assistant coach, or, and bring it in that the original he hate me has got to be there. Oh, if he's still alive, I'll, I'll he guarantee. Is. <laughs> he will absolutely he'll absolutely be um yeah then he'll absolutely be featured in in some kind of capacity probably in the first game i would say maybe like this well i don't know if they're going to bring the scramble back but maybe he can do the coin toss if they do that yeah um and again i i mean we'll talk we'll talk more about what we what we envision uh the xfl will look like in a later episode but uh yeah maybe maybe he'll do the maybe he'll do the guest like a guest announcing or something like that uh, he's got to be too old to play, right? He's not oh, going to yeah. come back as a player. No, yeah. no, 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 no. So I figured his, his time like is kind of passed. Running back coach or something, you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bring him into the family. Now, mm-hmm. as I mentioned off at the top, uh, if you're just joining us on this episode for Up for Debate, too bad. We're already on Chapter 5. You missed four chapters of XFL excellence. 
So go back, listen to those at upfordebate.tv or wherever you get your podcast. Get caught up, Matt. We spent an hour last week talking about a single game, week two of the XFL, where everything that could go wrong did. We had power outages. We had Jennifer Lopez. We had broken legs. We had Dick Ebersol. We had Lauren Michaels. It was a disaster. A disaster for the league. The ratings way down uh, from week one, dropped from about a nine to about a four and a half. Um, and the XFL Matt really stumbling into week three. Yep. Um, we we kind of crossed the we crossed the threshold in last week's episode, a point of no return for uh, for the XFL. Uh, we kind of left with a cliffhanger with um, will the XFL recover from this point on? Um, and you kind of see this like steady downward slope starting to happen and it all really it all really starts uh with that power outage right yeah it's kind of the beginning of the beginning of the end yeah well xfl had a big chance in week one to get a lot of viewers and failed and in week two they had a chance to keep at least the viewers they had and failed so entering week three they're they're grasping at straws here and and you know we're, we're, we we've got 10 uh what is this we got seven weeks of the xfl plus the playoffs and the championship to get through tonight matt so you know uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna kind of go through these and kind of highlight interesting or important events that happened starting in week three a snoozer of a game saturday february 17th 2001 the los angeles extreme beat the las vegas outlaws in a 12 to 9 low scoring game Week three ratings, a 3.1. That's a 67% drop from week one. Uh, So the ratings continue to slide in week three. And the big concern, Matt, for the league after week four, it's March. And the problem with March, March madness starts, okay? (laughs) Really, in February, the NFL's done. Basketball is around, but nobody really cares about basketball in the post-Jordan era at this time. Um, And this is kind of pre-Lakers get exciting. Um and baseball hasn't started, and no one cares about hockey. So really not a lot of competition. But as soon as March gets here, boom, you're, you're competing with March Madness. Huge television ratings there. So the XFL really, if they get to March and haven't established their foothold, they're in trouble. And coming out of week three, they have issues. In fact, Honda dropped them as a sponsor uh, following week three. Um, the first major sponsor to drop out, other sponsors followed because of the declining ratings falling beneath that 4.5. They guaranteed advertisers. Uh, in fact, Vince McMahon even discussed blowing up a Honda Accord at halftime in, in order to get back at Honda. Sadly, very sadly, never happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, th- yeah, I, I, this is a, such a, such a total Vince McMahon response by the way, to this uh, controversy. So you got to wonder, you know, will he, <laughs> will something like this happen in uh, 2020's XFL? Yeah. Um, yeah. You got to think about that if you're a sponsor, right? You know, you, you have to deal with Mr. McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he's a, he's a, cre- he's a creatively vengeful dude. Oh, no I mean, doubt. We see I'm- that all the time. If you're a wrestling fan, comes up with lots of creative ways to get back it it is uh he is um the heels in that series or i guess he is one of the heels so i guess he's getting oh, yeah, back he's a character in his baby own show. faces yeah and uh the people that are uh the the tweeners and and the, the the people that are basically his nemesis nemeses now tries Matt, to get back at him it's yeah. interesting around this time uh, that uh, Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon, the men behind the XFL, decide to call a focus group of XFL fans to figure out what they want. And at this point, I think both men acknowledge the league isn't working. It's just not. And so they need to tweak and adjust if they have any shot of saving this already on life support football league. And interestingly enough, the focus group said, and I'm reading from Long Bomb by Brett Forster, the book we've kind of been using for research throughout this entire series. Uh, McMahon called on the focus groups, which told him several things. One, fans were lukewarm on Governor Ventura, uh, who was doing uh, commentating. And those who were still open to watching the XFL were looking for straight football without all the gimmicks. But Ebersol, swinging for the fences, still believed in blowing up the football model. Uh, The two men agreed on one change for week four, that they were going to manufacture some drama and go more towards entertainment instead of football. Matt, what do you think of that decision by uh, Ebersol and McMahon? 
Um, this seems like more of a, I guess, of a reactive rather than proactive decision, first and foremost. Um, but I, I think I've, you gotta you gotta wonder in this situation. You know, is this going to be enough? Is this going to be enough to turn things around? I don't know. What do you? How about you? What do you think about it? I mean, uh, you know, the XFL can kind of be set up as a series of bad decisions. I, I would argue maybe about twenty to thirty percent of the decisions they made were good, um, and we'll certainly highlight some of those as as we wrap up this series. But I think if you had any shot of saving this, why would you call a focus group and then explicitly do the opposite of what they're saying? <laughs> to me, that's that. It's just it's hubris. It's pure hubris and ego. At this point, saying they're telling us they want they just want regular football. They want straight football, good commentators, the players on the field. But the focus group's wrong. I know. I know. I'm right. Focus group's wrong. No, we're just going to do more wrestling shit, which was exactly <laughs> what they didn't want. Which is bonkers. That's absolutely bonkers. Why? Why do you think that that would even work? It just such it's just such hubris from these guys. Yeah. Uh, a sidebar. I wonder. I wonder if there's um, a book out there that like talks about focus groups and and like their impact on various companies' decisions. Oh, I sure. don't know. If, if if you're out there listening and you you know of such a book, uh, try to point point either Sean or myself in that direction. At least I, I'd like to read it. I'd like to. That sounds like a, like a that sounds like a neat topic for a book, doesn't it? Like uh, certain it could be like a case study in focus groups and like how they've they've helped uh, make decisions. I'm sure there's I'm sure there's some kind of literature out there about well, that. Well, I, I will just and say this would be yeah. This has got to be one of the one of the uh, <laughs> one of the if that book exists, this this decision's got to be in it. I would say this situation. I think one example that comes to my mind just immediately is um, famously uh, Coca-Cola when researching new Coke convened a lot of focus groups that said, we like the, the, the new taste better. We, we prefer it. That's what really led them. They had one of the most successful market tests ever uh, with new Coke in terms of the, the ratings and the scores from the focus group. And then they rolled it out and we know what happened. Actually, there's a great book on new Coke. Maybe we'll do it on the show at some point. Um, and, and that whole experiment and rollout and backlash. But um, but that was really heavily driven by focus groups. So they certainly can have a big impact on uh, on the directions businesses take, both good and bad. And uh, clearly at this this stage, you can't even really give them credit because they gave their feedback and the XFL didn't listen. Mm. And they didn't listen. Yeah. So as we head into week four, February 24th, uh, we're seeing the 0-3 New York, New Jersey Hitmen against the 0-3 Chicago Enforcers in a cold and rainy Chicago, uh, a game guaranteed to be a snoozer. So what does the XFL do, Matt? They amp up the drama by getting two of the greatest entertainment minds to fight each other. That's right. I'm talking about fan favorite of the show, New York, New Jersey Hitmen coach Rusty Tillman against the then governor of the state of Minnesota, Jesse the Body Ventura, a battle for oh, the yeah. ages, Matt. Um, this this might have been my favorite part because <laughs> of, of, of the whole thing, just because. So here's a guy, right? The 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 coach of the Hitmen, Tillman. Uh, here's a guy who really genuinely just wants to win football games. You know, he's a football coach. He's a football guy. He doesn't want anything to do with anything that any of this wrestling nonsense, as he calls it. He just wants to win football games. Uh, and that's all he cares about. And here's Jesse, the body Ventura, uh, in the, in the announcer's booth. Like just starts picking on him the like whole a game. like a typical school bully, just starts like like verbally harassing him, calling him weak, calling him a uh, an incompetent coach. What does he say? Is that a halftime? Look, there he is. Instead of instead of um, instead of coaching, instead of being like a leader, he's. Uh, He's he's a he's a, a like a like limp wristed, weak. Yeah, he said uh, uh, 
He said, what did quote, he call him? quote uh, he said, Rusty has issues with everybody. He's obviously an unhappy man. He had a bad childhood. Oh, that's right. Yes, he had a bad childhood. And then it said, uh, that Rusty's a smart guy. If anybody's capable of blowing a 10 nothing lead with 750 to go in the game, it's Rusty Tillman. He's not winning because he's a good coach. He's winning because he's lucky. Yes. Just totally decide. He just, I, I wonder. Oh, this was I just planned. Is this something? Well, I wonder if it was something that just clicked in Ventura's head. Like, let me go out and harass this guy. Let's see if I can provoke him. Let's see if I can get something out of him, which would be good for television. Or if it was a like a like some kind of backstage conversation. Look, what I want you to do is I want you to choose one of these coaches in this game, and I want you to pick a fight with them, because I, that's eventually what what happens. I mean, he goes from he goes from outright mocking him on uh over you know over the tv feed to actually after the game is over approaching him um on the field like kind of following him around and and provoking him that way this this had to come from mcmahon i mean i i you know jesse can certainly uh, governor ventura can certainly you know uh, get a confrontation going but this was all mcmahon directed and we talked about this on i think the first or one of the first two episodes of the series tillman was marked from day one as being the outspoken coach among the group and i think it just made sense his team was on an own three losing streak he just seemed like a good guy to pick on and try and get some reaction out of considering most of these coaches were really boring football coaches so it's not like Jesse had a lot of options as to who he was going to pick on. Um, and yeah, I, it's not like they had it. It's not like they had some kind of inside man. No, There's, there wasn't. There wasn't one of the coaches that was like also a wrestling plant or something. Yep. That's what they I think that's what they probably wanted. Sure. Well, that's that was uh, part they of probably wanted in. that among the players, too. I think they they wanted everyone to be in on it. And that was and that was part a huge part of the XFL's failure was that not enough people were in on it, you know? Yeah, and that that. including Rusty Tillman. Now, Matt, mm. I'm going to just read a little piece here from Long Bomb because, as you put, it's one of the best parts of the book. But um, the, the, uh, the clock came to its final fading digits, and Ventura reached for his crowning statement, something that would keep everyone from dozing off. Mind you, again, this was a 12-0 game. He announced that he was going to hike down through the stands at the end of the game. He was going to interview Rusty Tillman. He made a big show of unplugging himself from the broadcast booth, then walked through the empty seats towards the field. Uh, Jesse made it to the field as the final whistle blew. Tillman and the Hitmen had won their first game. They just wanted to get out of the rain and on a plane back to New York. The coach jogged towards the locker room. Ventura followed in hot pursuit. He caught him at midfield with the Bubba Cam at the governor's elbow. Rusty Ventura boomed into his microphone, trying to keep pace. Ain't you going to talk to me? Tillman jogged on in silence, maintaining his composure. Finally, he couldn't resist the microphone. I don't want to talk to you. Uh, Tillman quickened his pace, blowing them off. This left Jesse Ventura standing in the middle of an empty field, microphone dangling at the end of his arm like a useless appendage. He looked like a wrestler in the ring, playing to a depleted crowd, which obliged him by chanting, asshole in the fading direction of Tillman. I got him intimidated, Ventura hollered into his microphone. He couldn't wait to get off the field. He's afraid of me. As Tillman jogged towards the locker room, he shook his head at what has happened. Quote, the truth is, I would have loved to have given him a shot right there on the field, he would later say. 20 years ago, I probably would have. I didn't want to come off as Curly, Moe, and Larry. If anybody was going to be a stooge, it was going to be him. Isn't that just a typical coach response right there? The, uh, <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, he, pulling out the pulling the out three the three stooges, stooges analogy. He's yeah. an older guy. Hey, and Matt, you, you made a great point of this, which is uh, what most people I don't think realize is these coaches never wanted to coach in the XFL. They want to coach in the NFL, and they saw this as an audition to eventually get that job. This was only supposed to be a stepping stone, and you can't go punching the governor of Minnesota and expect to get hired in the NFL. So Rusty Tillman was never going to play ball. Why did my lights all just turn off? Yeah. Although I kind of like oh. this. I kind of like this. This looks cool. <laughs> this looks neat. I might just do literally you, all the lights in my house. Are you having a power just... outage right now? No. No, I'm not. It's, it's the smart lights. Oh. They're not very smart. But anyway, all right. Let's not. Let's keep going. Let's not get distracted. Yeah, um, this is like the. It's like the. Oh, no. Uh, I didn't put gas well. in the generator. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, Cut. Man. Do do we do we have a uh, simultaneous podcast? Jennifer Lopez is going to be so pissed. We're yeah. man, we're going to go to the backup podcast while we get the power up here. <laughs> the backup podcast with John and Mike. Yes, yes. 
down for arguments. Down. Check it out. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Okay. And he's back. We're back. Can't folks. guarantee that won't happen again. Uh, mm. So, Matt, yes, yeah, so we have this hilariously awkward, very XFL, very WWE confrontation, Jesse Ventura and Rusty Tillman. Tillman doesn't take the bait, but Ventura gets a big smile on his face. Um, and, Matt, game four, the XFL, a new ratings low, 2.6, a decrease over the week before. And even as we roll into week five, the first game in March, uh, which saw the Los Angeles Extreme blow out the Hitmen, uh, a rating of 2.4. Mm. Yeah, this is uh, this is obviously not going so well for uh, Mr. McMahon. Nope, the ratings continue to Mr. Slide. McMahon, man, and friends, yeah. And they don't know what to do. They literally don't know what to do at this point, Matt. They're grasping for straws, and they come up with the most brilliant marketing ploy in the history of sports. You know what I'm talking about? I think so. That's right, Matt. The XFL is going to go where no other league would dare to take you. Oh, that's right. That's this is the they're trying to this is this is the moment that they they kind of channel that creepiness from game one into like a full fledged. It's like it went it went from like, oh, did they just say that to, oh, my God, they're actually going to do this. That's right. They peppered the airwaves with ads saying the XFL was going to go into the Orlando Rage cheerleaders locker room at the halftime. And nothing was off limits. Um, <laughs> I, I wonder if when people saw this for the first time, if they actually thought, if they like, if, like did did it cross their minds that like, where they're like, the network is going to totally let them do this. This is like uh, like. You know, if Vince McMahon says it, it must be true. I mean, even back then, they had to know there's some limits. Like, there are some th things that primetime te television just can't deliver on, right? I just it, – it, it absolutely baffles me, baffles me that NBC would let this happen. Vince McMahon wanting to do it, not a surprise at all. I mean, this is, this is regular occurrence on Monday Night Raw – uh, for NBC to put this on in prime time during a sporting <laughs> event is staggering to me. Can you imagine this in in today's era, like the Me Too movement and the like the age that that we are in right now in 2018, almost 2019, having um like a like this be a huge feature. It's just it's it really does like kind of set up a. Um, like a like a noticeable difference between the early 2000s and today, oh, God. in Very terms of the, the culture, time. you know. Very yeah. of the time. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. This is like a textbook, kind of like a textbook uh, picture, like a like a. It will XFL as a whole, right? I as mean, a whole, right? This is a league I mean, where, is that where they hired a local strip club, sent over a few women, and had them in hot tubs at the end zone during a game yeah. you know i mean this is a league that took sex and it took violence to 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 a, a higher degree and that's and yeah. that's what wwe was doing on the air at that time and honestly i think finding out just finding out what 2020's xfl is going to look like um i mean that's that's really what is it i i wanted to i quite frankly i want it to be 2020 right now i, I just want to know what what is it? What can it possibly look like that still mirrors the XFL of 2001? Well, we're going to go deep on it next week, Matt, but it is interesting to see how wrestling has changed since 2000 and 2001. I mean, so uh, so much less of of the 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 acting and the performance and the over the overcomplicated storylines, the sexy angles to it. And now it's much more about the physicality. It's much more about the actual in the ring content versus everything surrounding it, which is so different how that will affect the XFL. It's going to be interesting to see you're not wrong. Uh, Matt, I'm going to read uh, uh, just another very short bit from Longbaum about this locker room stunt. Uh, Matt Viscursion welcomed the TV audience to Orlando by running down the matchup between the league's best defense and the only undefeated team. Then the reinstated host happily hoisted the company line, quote, 
While those of you who might have thought we sold out a few weeks ago and hit rock bottom were wrong, he grinned to the camera. To help us get there completely, let's check in with Fred Roggin. They go down to the field with Roggin, surrounded by cheerleaders, who says, quote, Some have called it an unprecedented television event. Others have called it a desperate ploy to increase sagging ratings. In any event, the XFL founder, chairman, and noted racketeer Vince McMahon has ordered a camera into the locker room of the Orlando cheerleaders at halftime to capture the essence of whatever it is they do. He then goes to the cheerleader next to him. Bev, how do you feel about a camera being in your locker room? I think it's great, said Bev. They bring cameras into the players' locker room. It's time they brought them into the cheerleaders' locker room. We get in there, we just get comfortable, and we want to take off some. She's interrupted. Don't tell them about that. <laughs> An anxious nation awaits. Um, and Matt, do you want to, do you want to tell the people what uh, how the stunt unfolded? Sure. Um... <laughs> it's okay. kind of it's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. All right. So, um, we start out in the in the beginning of the game, uh, having been told for weeks now that or for days uh, upcoming, you know, to the to this this game that. We're going to be venturing inside of the cheerleaders' locker room. Uh, uh, what was it? The Miami Orlando Rage. Oh, the, right, the Orlando Rage uh, cheerleaders' locker room. Uh, we get to the moment. It's it's going to happen at halftime. We're told. Uh, it's halftime, and all right. So I'm I'm playing this from memory as best I can, but feel free to jump in immediately sure. if I forget any of the key details because they're all so, so good. All right. So uh, cut to uh, surprisingly, you know, we we think that it's going it, to like, all right. So Vince McMahon is, uh, I'm picturing him. He's got cheerleaders all around him and he's saying, we're going to go into your locker room. We're going to, you know, go where, and you're going to let us into your locker room or something like that. And this guy is going to be the one to do it. He points to one of the cameramen, Bruno, right? Bruno, the cameraman. Bruno. Say hi to Bruno, girls. Hi, yeah. Bruno. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, that's that's at the beginning of the game, right? Yep. All right. Uh, halftime rolls around. Clock gets to zero. Smash cut to Vince McMahon standing outside the door to the girls' cheerleaders' locker room, the cheerleaders' mm -hmm. locker room, with Bruno, the cameraman. Same one from before. He says to Bruno, "All right, I need you to get in there, and uh, you know, get some get some real good footage. Everybody's got to see the foot. So what what we're what we're being shown here is kind of like we're not supposed to be watching this. Right. It's like a behind the scenes video of Vince McMahon telling the cameraman to go into the locker room. So." Bruno diligently nods his head, and Bruno is just like kind of this generic bald guy. Um, nods his head. And he's got like a hockey mask or something on, right? Yeah. He, so he had a helmet because all the all of the uh, okay. the cameramen on the field wore helmets and pads in case they got accidentally tackled. I mean, they were right up there with the players. So he was in a standard garb. But Vince McMahon yeah. says to him, "Dude, you look like crap. You look awful. Here, take your helmet off. Wipe the sweat off." Just get right. you, you got to. I mean, these are beautiful ladies in there. He says. <laughs> he said, "You you got to be ready to, to talk to them. You you have a rare opportunity here. You got to show us what really goes on in there. The people out there want to see." And he's really hyping them up. And he and he gives them a glass of water. He says, "Get." And he finally says, "All right, Bruno, are you ready? Get in there." And he and he pushes them with all of his might into the the closed doors of the locker room so hard that he fake wrestling style slams his head off of the door and knocks himself unconscious. Boom. Oh, I'm playing the video. If you're not, if you're, you got to watch this episode on YouTube because I have the video playing. It's worth, it's worth watching. And he's it. unconscious so, on the ground yeah. and Vince McMahon is yelling at him, Bruno, Bruno, wake up. You're ruining this stunt for everybody. Wake up, wake up. He's slapping him on the ground. Wake up. All of a sudden, it's a dream sequence. Pre-taped dream sequence, everybody. <laughs> oh no, Vince McMahon has struck again. So and in the in the the pre-taped dream sequence, it's everything you could you could probably imagine uh, your wildest dreams. It's like the, it cuts to like the cheerleaders are all everyone's of course fully clothed, very PG. Yep. Uh, but they're they're like hanging out in the hot tub with to, and and um, throwing the football around and 
Yeah, they're, the uh, Bruno's like a, there covered in, with kisses all over his face. They're playing right. Twister with a man in a gorilla suit. <laughs> and this is and this is where things because that's what's funny is it's not just a regular sequence it gets crazy the 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 cheerleaders are there they're they're like rubbing soap and scrubbing down a man wearing a jersey that says she love me on oh it, that's right which that's is really the, yes. great um, she love me yeah they they cut to two women in like a study they're holding pig like baby pigs and there's like a an oinking sound in the background and then their feet are resting on two men wearing dog masks. Which is very weird and creepy. Like this is out of a horror movie. So this is kind of like, it's kind of endearing at first. Yeah, you're right. But it has like almost like a Kubrick vibe to mm, it. Yes. It's like that. Like you know, you know, in The Shining. You know what I'm talking about. It's. I've never seen that, but I get the okay. gist of where you're going. It's yeah. It's it's got like these yeah these well these elements that just seem out of place, and and you want you you, you feel like there's there's more meaning behind it. Like you said, the dog masks and the and the gorilla suit and the um, now, the twister. Now let me ask you, yeah. Matt. What do you think the meaning is behind the dominatrix woman uh, right. talking aggressively to the man in the bunny suit wearing sunglasses? Well, what do you think Sean, that means? I think that it was a metaphor for the economy at the time. I think mm. the uh, the cheerleader was clearly supposed to be Bill Gates. Oh, sure. And I would say that the that it was a very thinly veiled metaphor for the Iraq War. So, well, interesting, that would, that would which been, hadn't happened yet. Yeah, that would have been it two was years a precursor. In the future, two years in the future. Vince McMahon was a visionary. He was a visionary. So uh, ahead he, of his time, he's prescient. So uh, I was uh, probably probably something to do with the 2000 election too. Yes, oh, it was very. Or, it was all about hanging chads. Yes, indeed. Now the twister was all just a giant metaphor for our our political uh, system as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I was so smart. Uh, as Matt, we see the cheerleaders are playing poker with the devil. And finally, we cut to the showers and we see sort of the silhouette of the naked ladies against the glass. The glass door opens and who walks out? Finally! Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield shows the <laughs> what? Huh? Rodney Dangerfield walks out with a, with a bath towel wrapped around his waist and he makes some kind of joke about when, ah, I still I play football, but I still get no respect. Still get no it's respect. like not even a real joke. It's yep. it's just he might as well have just said I'm Rodney Dangerfield. Like <laughs> now, mind you, this isn't 1987. Okay, this is 2001. Rodney Dangerfield has been out of the public consciousness for well over a decade. Yeah, that's when when I read the book, I thought was I'm like, was there is it a different Rodney Dangerfield? And then I I watched the actual clip on youtube and sh no sure enough it's it is famed comedian who he was alive at that time mm -hmm. was rodney dangerfield i thought I'll, I'll be completely honest with you sean i thought he had died long ago i didn't even know he was alive in the early 2000s yeah. but it must have been like very close to the the year that he passed right i don't actually know but we have the power of the internet uh to tell me exactly what year he passed away and, and google tells me the answer to that is 2004 Okay, so, so not so too, too much longer to after that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he makes that joke about how he plays football, still gets no respect, and then sure enough is when our hero Bruce Bruno, yep, Bruno, uh, wakes up and he, he comes. He comes too, surrounded by the cheerleaders. His, yep, asking him to wait. Bruno, Bruno, <laughs> wake up, Bruno. Out of his days yeah. and. Uh, and then Vince McMahon says, ladies, ladies, let me take care of this. The ladies leave. And then he proceeds to just kick Bruno to wake him up. Yeah, this just poor, kicking poor him over and over again. Throws water uh, all over him. Wake up, slaps him, beats his ass. It's very wrestling. Do you think they plan to do more of these? Like, was this oh, yeah. going to be a routine thing? If this had been successful, mm -hmm. it, we would have seen a shit ton of this. Oh my God! This every commercial break would have been this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I, I, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I can't. I, I, I think this might be a, a, a part that where we differ, but I think that that is exactly the angle that McMahon always wanted from the beginning. Sure, you know the the kfab the. Um, the storyline. He wanted the storyline. Yep. Like he wanted he wanted to script the unscriptable, a, a, a live sporting event. Uh, a football, nonetheless, and he wanted to have you know characters. He wanted there to be heroes and villains and twists and turns. 
and and he wanted it. Of course, the most important thing he wanted to inject himself into it, which he did. You, you saw all of that in this oh, little, yeah. this little uh, five six minute clip, not even like four minute clip. So, um, yeah, I recommend watching. It's it's hilarious. It's great. I mean, I'll say, Matt, I I, I do partially agree with you. I think definitely that Vince wanted more of this. I think the biggest problem football has going against it for this type of angle is that over an hour of Monday Night is Raw on cable, you can craft a storyline because the matches aren't particularly long and you can do several segments of this in a single hour, right? I think a football game really doesn't lend itself to this because you do this bit and then you cut back to a whole quarter of comparatively boring football, right? You, you, what storyline can you possibly craft over the length of a football game? It's just the right. format doesn't lend itself to that. I mean, the, the game itself is supposed to be the narrative. Right. And the, you can uh, do, and the XFL did a lot of this, especially later on in the season. A lot of those like pre-taped uh, player background bio stories of, oh, he grew up in this neighborhood and went through this. And they did a ton of that trying to craft storylines. At least to me, that makes a little more sense than this kind of fictionalized stuff. Because the fictionalized stuff, A, you have to pay close attention to because it's all made up. And B, it usually tends, it didn't in this case, but in the WWE, it crosses multiple weeks. I mean, these are long-term storylines. You can't do that in football because there's no guarantee people are going to be tuned in for the whole game, never mind multiple games. It just, it just I, I get the idea. It's just such a difficult thing to execute. And putting this on primetime on NBC, that <laughs> sucked. Huh. Um... I, I, I just think the people weren't ready for it. And uh, this this kind of storyline, if, if you're going to lead with this one, the creepy one about trying to get into the cheerleader's locker room, I mean, this is not the one. No. This is not the one. You know, no. like, go with, lead with a lead with a lead with a better one. I mean, um, well, I get it. Like, you're, you're obviously pandering to your demographic here, which was, you know, adolescent boys. And guys without jobs, I guess. But, um, but yeah, I mean, talk about like skeevy. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. And Matt, the ratings reflected it: two point four after Game mm. Six, and uh, that same week, the WWF stock hit an all-time low. Things not looking great. Yeah, dire situation. It sure is leading into week seven, uh, of which they have a game, uh, more football. And uh, week seven's ratings, Matt, a 1.6. That ties the lowest primetime sports event ever in the history of television. Which was what? Uh, uh, you got me. I believe, uh, it, I believe it was a, um, a Stanley Cup game. I th- yeah, I think you're right. I, 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 for some reason, I do remember. It was a just a very. It was like it was around the. Was it a game that was around like near the blackout or not the blackout? The uh, lockout. Yeah, two thousand three. Uh, no, I'd have to. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, it was and it was it and it was like a one point six. I think the previous sporting event was like a. It was over a two, so it, it beat it, it by a lot. Was it um was it part of the Olympics maybe? No. That was the the lowest. Mm, yeah, I would have to uh I'd have to snoop around here and try and f- find the answer to that here in the uh, in the book. I should have written it down and I did not. That's a shame on me. Mm, no worries. But uh, if I find it, I promise I will report back. I mean, at this time, it looks like the X in XFL is starting to stand for extremely bad. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to stand for just executed already. Yeah. Put it out of its misery because it's uh, it's falling apart. Yeah. Lo- oh, hit here it we go. X rays. Uh, there we go. The uh, one point six. Uh, this was during the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, the uh, Nielsen Media Research had to actually comb through its archives all the way back to the 1950s to find the answer. Um, it actually was the second rate, lowest rated TV show ever of all time. 
um, beating uh, in August 30th, 1997, NBC News special about a, the drug policy, which aired Saturday night and also rated a 1.6. Mm. Only one other show had scored lower. Um, an old Fox sitcom called Mr. President, which aired in February of 1988 and earned a 1.5. So, wow. Okay, there you go. So, bad yeah. news. Um, and the seat, but the season rolls on, Matt. I mean, you, you can't stop there. Mm-hmm. The season continues on. Week eight, week nine. Uh, it was right around week nine. The XFL ratings actually did tie for the lowest ever in television history, hitting a 1.5 in week nine. Uh, it was at that point, Ebersol for the first time admitted publicly that it was pretty unlikely a second season was going to happen, though McMahon held out hope um, of the league coming back, believing they could eventually write the ship. And Matt, that takes us into the XFL playoffs. Yeah. Uh, you know, days turn to weeks, weeks turn to months, and then here we are. It's the, we're, it's we've reached April. the playoffs. Yep. Um. But you can't. I mean, you can't say. For all it was, for all it was worth, you can't say that this season was without drama. You know, without some, at least, like maybe not the kind that the XFL wanted or sure. anticipated, but definitely not without its without its dramatic moments. I mean, we were able to fill. They were able to to fill pages. You know, an entire and write entire books about about the narrative of the XFL. I mean, they played 40 40 games. Yeah. You know, the the football did happen. Whether or not people watched it is one thing, but the the league happened. There are players and coaches and teams and stats and, you know, the the league happened. That's, you you certainly can't debate that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, Matt, we roll into the playoffs with, uh, it's just a four-team playoff format with uh, a semifinals and then obviously the championship game. Uh, we had the San Francisco Demons versus the Orlando Rage, uh, and we had the Los Angeles Extreme versus the Chicago Enforcers for the rights to get to the playoffs. Um, the, the two best teams in the league, the Los Angeles Extreme and the San Francisco Demons at this point, off strong offense versus a strong defense. Uh, ultimately, the San Francisco Demons beat out the Rage 26-25, and the Extreme beat the Enforcers 33-16 to advance to the XFL Million Dollar Championship game. Yeah, um, <laughs> very typical of the XFL. This championship game, Sean, was was. Did they ever bother to pick a name for it? <laughs> well, they debated for a long time, Matt. They did. Uh, they pitched around a few different names, calling it the big game and some just you know XFL championship. But they ultimately came down to million dollar game, and the reason for that is because uh, we've talked about previously on the show the gimmick paid to play, paid more to win. The players were paid per game and were paid a bonus to win games. They wanted to continue that on through the championship game, and so the gimmick was that the winning team would split a $1 million prize pool uh, that would be split amongst the players. That's roughly 25000 per player, um, or about half a year's salary in the XFL. Um, interestingly enough, the book made this comparison. I didn't originally, but uh, you know, in 2001, right around this time, it was the rise of Survivor and their million-dollar prize, who wants to be a millionaire and their $1 million prize. $1 million was a really hot number at this time. And so I think uh, the XFL wanted a piece of that and so put million-dollar right on the title of the championship game. Yeah, it's an interesting insight. Um, yeah, $1 million was the uh, – that was definitely the sexy number back then. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so they start. They start calling it the million dollar game. The million dollar game. Nice ring to it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they 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 toyed with the idea of calling it the like the mega bowl, didn't they? If I'm not yep. mistaken, it was yep, going to be like the mega the bowl or the million bowl or something like that. Yep. Uh, and then in the end, they just they just it's the million dollar game. It's the million dollar game. April twenty well, first, two thousand one. You also have to remember that they're also playing off the fact that many of these players uh, are making you know barely ends meet with the with the salaries they're being paid out. Sure, a million was a lot for these for these players. Millions was a lot. Very like the um um what was the average salary. For the XFL players at the time, about fifty thousand a year. I mean, it wasn't fifty thousand, something like that. Nothing too, you know. Not not. It's not NFL money. No, God not no. NFL money. No, no, no. Not anywhere close. So, you know, if if 
if they uh, if we were to find out that the Super Bowl champion payout, for example, was a million, we would be like, okay, well, they already have a lot of money. Now they have even more money. You know, maybe they'll, they'll buy like a third Lamborghini or something like that. Sure. Um, but with for these guys, it's like you know, rags to riches kind of thing. So, um, the a million dollar game really does mean a lot. Although again, one of it, them. it is classic Vince McMahon though to advertise as a million dollar game, but not specify that it's a million dollars split between split the amongst, team. Yeah, you know they 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 didn't <laughs> each get a million dollars, but nonetheless, it is. You're right. It is. Uh, it is nice that that's a nice bonus to go out and win that game. Um, it took place in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Los Angeles Extreme uh, versus the San Francisco Demons, the two best teams. Uh, in the league, interestingly enough, both from the same division, um, played each other many times, uh, several times before. Uh, ironically enough, Matt, this is interesting. We talked last week about uh, delaying Jennifer Lopez and the game running over. Interestingly enough, the million dollar game itself was delayed because uh, the NBA championships were uh, the playoffs were happening in the afternoon that Saturday. And ran long and actually delayed the start of the million-dollar game. Aha, a little taste of the old medicine. Yes, a little comeuppance for the XFL as if they didn't have enough of that already. Right. Um, Matt, this game sucked. Oh, I yeah, mean, this game was awful. For XFL, it sucked, and that's yeah. saying a lot. This was this was a was what we would call a snoozer. Of a game. It was extremely <laughs> dull. Uh, in fact, it was so dull that uh, San Francisco uh, didn't score until the tip end of the fourth quarter. In fact, the Los Angeles Extreme didn't have to punt the ball until the third quarter. Um, they ended up putting up 38 points to San Francisco's six, and your XFL 2001 million dollar championship game winners, and by the way, still reigning champions. The Los Angeles Extreme. Yeah, that's got to be the longest uh, held title, clinch title. Although, was there was there a championship winner for the um, the USFL? USFL? Yeah, absolutely. So they absolutely. they might be and they might have they, the, they remain the reigning champion. champions as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The this million dollar game turned out to be you know incredibly underwhelming. Uh, the the game prior to that between San Francisco and Los Angeles was it no was it Orlando and San Francisco was that the one that was really exciting it was a yes. tight that yep. was it or Orlando versus San Francisco much more exciting came down to one point came down to one one play at the very end uh, featuring our hero he hate me um, Rod Smart uh, just barely missing. A uh, a game winning touchdown by a matter of inches, really, really inches. Um, and a lot of people see this game as a metaphor for the XFL, like it's it, like kind of like a microcosm. This this one game is a, is is a microcosm of the entire XFL experience, just in one game. You had the tawdry cheerleaders. Um, in the in the corner of the field, you had a um, incredibly underwhelming, low caliber experience on the field. Yep. One team just blowing out the other. The other just didn't even show up. But you also had Sean a basically microscopic crowd presence for a championship game. game forget for about a championship it. I mean, it game. Was... It was basically the equivalent of like a low rent college game or a or really a glorified high school game which in the Look Los Angeles Coliseum I mean that's that I think the max seating capacity there is 90,000 I mean it's an, the, the Los Angeles Rams playing there now the crowds look small in that stadium so to to have that few uh that few number of people I think the I actually have the attendance number here. 24,153 was the listed attendance, um, but I doubt it was It was probably much smaller than that. They do those numbers based on ticket sales, not on people who actually attend. Right. So th this, this, had to be, this had to be the moment when Vince McMahon finally comes to terms. It wasn't. 
No, really. This, That's what's crazy this is about not it. the moment. Dick Ebersol knew it was over actually long before this. Yeah. Vince still has not given up hope. Surely, back. Sean, surely he looked out on that dwindling crowd. Nope. This 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 ragtag diminished group of 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 diehard fans. It's nope. just and 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 just and you thought, know what he saw? My empire has crumbled. He but saw no. diehard fans, and he said, "You know what? This was." Now you have to remember, Matt. We talked about this very early on. The XFL deal with NBC, the fifty-fifty partnership, was a two-year deal. It was always meant to be two years, and they knew that there was the potential it could stumble in year one, and that it would take time to build a league. This happened with the USFL. Not a huge success in year one. Built into years two and three. Until it imploded. So uh, Vince McMahon was always on board with even if year one was a total and utter failure, there was always year two. And he left that game. He signed off. He gave the, the championship trophy away. And he said on the broadcast, we'll see you next year. Now, Matt, that game, uh, the million dollar game, I know I, maybe I'm the only one who cares about TV ratings, but I think this is interesting. The million dollar game rated a 2.1, which is lower than any other network show for the week. Overall, viewers preferred 92 other programs to the XFL championship, and it earned the sixth worst rating of the XFL season. Over the 12 weeks of the XFL season, uh, they averaged a 3.1. Only the first two weeks hit the promised mark of 4.5. Um, for comparison's sake, uh, like I said, a 3.1 season average. The NFL averaged a 10.7 during the 2000 regular season and a 40.4 for the Super Bowl. Uh, Major League Baseball averaged a 2.6, and you got to remember most of those games are on in the daytime, and the World Series a 12.4. Uh, NBA averaged a 3.3, and that's mostly during weekend afternoons. Um, even the Stanley Cup Finals notched a 3.7. So it was even the even the uh, ESPN coverage of the NFL draft, which, by the way, happened the same day as the million dollar game, etched a two point six five um, and beat out the million dollar game. So, oh, oh, and I love I love this stat, which is the following week on April 28th, uh, NBC aired the movie Goldeneye, uh, Pierce okay. Brosnan playing James Bond um, in the same time slot as the XFL. It drew a four point six rating over twice as much as the XFL. Now here's where I I've got a beef, Sean. Oh. I've got a beef with the author of the of of the long bomb on this. Okay. In in the long bomb, now I don't have my copy in front of me because I'm a bad bad co-host. But um, in the in the copy of the long bomb, if you were to consult it, he um, he describes the movie Goldeneye. As a bad movie. Oh, I've got the Matt. You like, want the quote? I'll give you the like, quote. Tell me, tell me how he describes. He says it's like it's Pierce Brosnan mailing it in in his first performance as James Bond or something, something egregious like that. Here, here's here's the I don't whole know paragraph. What this guy is talking about, but he could not be more wrong. On April twenty eighth, Goldeneye. The, the week after the Million Dollar Game, NBC aired something safe: the movie Goldeneye. Quote. A charmless James Bond rehash starring Pierce Brosnan. Appearing in the same Saturday night time slot as the XFL, Goldeneye drew a 4.6 ratings. This number would have guaranteed the league's success. How could the movie have done so well? Maybe people wanted to feel what it was like to punch in NBC's Saturday night on the remote, having avoided it for months. That's what, okay. Yeah, he call, he calls it, th those, those several, str that string of words right there, a charmless, a charmless Bond rehash. Well, I, I thought Goldeneye was a great movie. Maybe it, it didn't help that I, I was of the age where James Bond appeals. I was like that young boy age. Uh, and it was one of the first Bond movies that, I've, that I remember seeing. I mean, I will say it's one of the but, better Pierce Brosnan ones for sure. Maybe the best the Pierce Brosnan of, one? In the grand scheme of Bonds, I, I actually – well, all right. If we're being completely honest here, I actually – probably preferred the world is not enough maybe which one was that that was brosnan's like third i think that was his third i confuse all of his so badly because they're really similar also the yeah they, they all have to do with like an international terrorist yeah is it was that the one I mean, that's kind of all of bond movies to be fair yeah but... they blend together what was the one with and the titles don't really help. God, they're like, so generic. They're like Harlan Coben novels. It's like the title yeah. doesn't 
doesn't help at all what the you know okay. ascertaining what the book is about or the movie's about. Let's see here. Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies was the that was one with the newspaper guy. The newspaper magnate and yes, he's Yes, Elliot Kava. That that one had probably the craziest premise. He's like the, he, it was bad. He's some kind of media lord who's like publishing news stories yeah, and causing like wars um, to happen. Who was not Hearst, but the other guy, the other famous public. Oh, um, you're thinking of the yellow journalism. Yes. Uh, Pulitzer. Spanish, Pulitzer, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he wants to start a war, so everyone buys newspapers, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, so they would buy his news. Right, the war would drum up newspaper media consumption or something like that. Oh, did you know Tomorrow Never Dies opened the exact same day as Titanic? Oh, that's unfortunate for, me that. for Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, that's right. That, that had Terry That- Hatcher in it. Terry Thatcher? Terry Hatcher, sorry. Oh, Terry Hatcher. And then it was The World Is Not Enough. Yeah, that's the one I was saying. I I, I enjoy that more, but I can I can Was that the one with the helicopter with probably. the saws on it and then they go down the pipeline? Yes, that's the one. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. That had to do with some kind of pipe. I just like the I like the twist in, in that one. That had a pretty good plot twist toward the end that I didn't see coming. Especially even for a Bond movie, it was uh, it caught me off guard. See, my favorite has to be Die Another Day. That movie is buck wild. Now, this is a movie. A, yeah. Holly Berry. Mm-hmm. People changing their appearances through DNA restructuring. A sunbeam satellite. Ice Palace invisible car. That movie is crazy. So do you know Do you know the backstory to that movie? No. What's the backstory? So it was, it was Pierce Brosnan's final performance as Bond, but mm-hmm. it was also the... 50th anniversary of the Bond franchise, something oh. like that. So the entire movie is essentially they they wanted to see how many references, and they they actually made a they, they if you go back and and look at it, there are videos on YouTube that highlight it. They make distinct references to every single Bond movie up until that point, wow. like everything from the the laser satellite in space to the Aston Martin coming back to the ice palace all all of them have have their place in previous bond movies okay i did not know that yeah either it's a concept that they borrowed a character or a reference or or a direct object like the like the austin martin coming back it's uh yeah it's actually pretty cool i didn't know that when i saw it but i i appreciated the i appreciate the movie much more knowing that that it's basically a giant homage to the franchise itself it's also the last movie they made before the the giant reboot with Daniel That's right. Craig. Mm-hmm. That's right. Which Casino Royale is, I think, I I really liked Casino Royale. It's got its I moments. Really I, it, I think the ending. I didn't like the ending. I thought the first two thirds were really good, and it didn't stick the landing for me. Well, I, I I just liked the introduction, and it was one of the few James Bond movies that I think was extremely true to the book. Yeah. God, we should do a whole Bond series, shouldn't we? We absolutely should. I have not seen Shame on Me. I don't I have not seen any of the Sean Connery, Roger Moore. I have not seen any of those. Not none of them? N- not a one. Nothing before Brosnan. None of them. Not what I don't watch a lot of movies. But we can like, change that. Yeah, I think uh, I think we might we might have to do something about that. I would, our next up for debate presents, and I think somebody might have to watch them and post on Twitter, live tweet the entire live James tweet. Bond. Yeah, somebody. Do you know how somebody, many of those there are? Yeah. Uh yeah, but y- y- what I I'm what I'm hearing is a staycation is is in order. There are I think twenty six to- movies, Matt. You need to ha- you need to like find some time where you could take off from work for like a month. No, maybe I mean you could probably get it done honestly in two weeks. Like you wouldn't even need more that much time. Like a week a week should do it. And if you were just just you know watched one every day, I think there were there's like twenty eight no twenty three something like that movies. I don't know. The, these two oh weeks. my god, Matt, there's so many. Weeks. There's so many. There are two Casino Royales. Oh, 
This is crazy. Okay, anyway, we're, we're a yeah. bit off topic here. And in case you didn't notice out there, <laughs> we're done with the XFL for tonight because we've concluded the XFL. Yeah. Next week, we're going to talk about how the XFL actually folded. It's a very short conversation. We're going to start with it next week, um, including Vince McMahon's attempt to find another network after NBC and what was the ultimate final nail in the coffin for the XFL. Then we're going to spend the rest of the episode doing full bore analysis. We're going to break down what did and didn't work in the XFL, what we're looking forward to with the AAF and XFL 2020, and if we think a second football league, a spring football league, could work, and if it did, what it would be like. And Matt, I think that's going to be a really awesome, awesome uh, episode. A great discussion. Oh, yeah. I think we've got some big bold ideas. Yeah, um, definitely. I've already got. I've already started making my list. Checking well, it twice. I was about to say, check that list twice. <laughs> uh, we appreciate everyone out there joining us for this XFL adventure. Hopefully you're having much fun as we are. If you would like more Up for Debate, if you want to check out the past episodes of this series, or even if you're just sick of XFL and want to listen to us talk about a bunch of other crap, you can do it on our website, upfordebate.tv. Click the archive button. You'll get our entire past listing. You can also get this show wherever you get podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Stitcher, now on Spotify, which is very exciting. The whole archive is there. You can check it out. You can also watch the video version on YouTube. Uh, also, make sure you get in contact with us. We want to hear your thoughts. If you're a big fan of the XFL or a big fan of the series or you just want to brag that you're uh, an extreme fan and your team remains the champion, you can do so at UpForDebateTV at gmail.com or tweet at us at UpForDebateTV on Twitter. Matt, that is going to do it for tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we'll see you next time for more XFL action here on Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.